Uh, good evening. Welcome to a recording of our Wednesday evening Bible study here at Calvary Baptist Church. I'm the teaching pastor, Pastor Stephen. Uh, we are a Reformed Confessional Baptist Church. We uh, subscribe to the 1689 Second London Baptist Confession of Faith as the best uh, summary of what we believe the Bible teaches about the important doctrines of the Christian faith. Uh, we are located in Phillipsburg, Kansas. It's about 30 minutes south of the Nebraska-Kansas line in north-central Kansas. Uh, we have two services on Sunday mornings uh, at 10 a.m. and at 11 a.m. Uh, we also uh, practice uh, participate in the Lord's Supper every Sunday morning, uh, and uh, we have a fellowship after the service is over uh, each and every Lord's Day. Uh, we thank you for joining us on our podcast or YouTube or Facebook. Uh, we hope and pray that you would uh, decide for you and your family that uh, this church is, is the best for you uh, to help you grow in your faith, to help you understand the Bible, to understand the Lord so that you can obey him and glorify him in the world. Our Wednesday evening Bible study uh, we have, for the past few months, have uh, studied the book of Romans. Uh, today will be our last study of this book, and then the following week we'll begin with 1 Timothy. Today, in chapter 16, verses 1 through 27, uh, the apostle addresses uh, several people. This is the main part of our text, the main body, verses uh, 1 through 16, the Apostle Paul addresses uh, several people that participate in his ministry. The church in Rome uh, should know these people. Most of them they should know because the Apostle Paul talks about uh, commending these people, uh, applauding their work, um, encouraging them in their service to the Lord. He tells the church to greet them, say hello to them, be friendly to them, receive them into the church. Uh, at some point uh, in the future, uh, the Roman church should see all these people. Uh, Paul says that at some point you will see them, you will say hi to them, you will have conversations with them. These people that he names in chapter 16 will have a relationship, whether small or great, some kind of relationship with the church in Rome. Most of the names that are mentioned by Paul are men, but there are several women in the group. He mentions Phoebe and Prisca, who goes by Priscilla, Mary, Julia, Olympus, who is the sister of Nereus, and Rufus's mother, who remains nameless. Uh, what do these women do uh, in the church? According to Paul, Phoebe was a servant in the church. Prisca, along with her husband Aquila, uh, served Paul. They were tent makers. They uh, housed a church. Um, they even risked their own lives, says Paul in Romans chapter 16. Uh, Mary served the church in some capacity, uh, but uh, Paul doesn't tell us exactly what she did, and he doesn't tell us exactly what um, two other women do, such as Rufus's mother uh, and Julia or Olympus. But he does say uh, some encouraging words about Rufus's mother. He says, 
she was a mother to me as well. Um, so she um, took care of Paul like a mother would take care of a son. Um, in verses 1 and 2, uh, Paul says, I commend to you our sister Phoebe, a servant of the church at Sancrea, that you may welcome her in the Lord in a way worthy of the saints and help her in whatever she may need from you, for she has been a patron of many and of myself as well. At the heart of the egalitarian, complementarian debate are these two verses in Romans 16, verses 1 and 2. According to Paul, Phoebe was a servant in the church. Well, what's the big deal about that? Well, the big deal is the word in the Greek New Testament that Paul chooses to describe Phoebe as a servant. He used the word diakonos, which is the English word, we get the English word deacon from. And so the apostle Paul calls Phoebe a deacon. And, and this is the central argument for the debate between egalitarianism and complementarianism. Well, what is egalitarianism and what is complementarianism? Egalitarianism is a, and complementarianism is a form of government inside the church. Uh, it's a form of uh, roles, how, uh, who does what and, and how do they do it. And there are two different sides. The egalitarians, um, they believe that uh, although men and women are equal in ontology, they were uh, equal and made in the image of God. Genesis chapter 1 and chapter 2, God made man and woman in his image. So egalitarians teach that men and women are equal in ontology, but they are also equal in function. Uh, the word egalitarian comes from the word equalitas, which means to treat as equals. They believe God created both men and women equally in every respect. In ontology, in, in ontological uh, function, and also in um, service, uh, gender roles, uh, the, the function in the world. So not only do egalitarians believe men and women are equal in creation, but they're equal in function as well. Meaning is, there's no separate roles. Whatever a man can do inside the home in church, whatever his function is inside the home in the church, women have that same function inside the home and the church. Another distinguishing mark about egalitarianism is they believe that the fall of Adam in Genesis chapter 3 uh, caused the distinction in gender roles. Uh, they believe that when Adam and Eve sinned, uh, they fell from that equal function in society and in the home. Therefore, egalitarians believe that when someone comes to saving faith, they're elevated back to that status of equal in gender roles. Now, the other side of the debate is the complementarian side. Um, complementarians like egalitarians, uh, we believe that God created men and 
women equal. We are equal in ontology. We are equal in the image of God. Uh, there is no superior or inferior gender when it comes to ontological being. We're both equal in being when it comes to our nature. But the difference between complementarians and egalitarians is complementarians believe that there are separate functions of men and women. That according to Genesis chapters 1 and especially Genesis chapter 2, uh, God has given each gender separate functions in the home and separate functions in the church. Egalitarians, they'll point to people like Miriam, uh, Moses and Aaron's sister, how she was a prophetess. Uh, egalitarians will point to people like Deborah, the Old Testament judge. Uh, they'll go to Romans chapter 16, verses 1 and 2, and say, well, look at Phoebe. Paul calls her a deacon inside the church. Egalitarians will also point out the women uh, that served Jesus during his earthly ministry. But what about the complementarians? What do complementarians use as evidence to support their position. And they begin at Genesis chapter 2. Genesis chapter 2 is an in-depth look at what God created from Genesis chapter 1. The order of creation in Genesis chapter 2, God creating man before women, according to the complementarian, supports a male headship in God's design. The Lord commanded and addressed Adam about the forbidden tree. Uh, it is his responsibility to teach Eve about God's command to refrain from the forbidden tree. Uh, Eve was created from Adam, and he uh, was priority number one in God's design, whereas Eve, her priority was to be Adam's helper. Even by naming Eve, Adam fulfills the ancient cultural context of having authority over the one whom he names. Notice the difference. The egalitarians, they cherry pick from the Bible. Well, look at this woman in the book of Exodus. Look at this woman in the book of Judges. Look at these women who served with Jesus along uh, his earthly ministry in the gospel. Look at Phoebe in Romans chapter 16. They cherry pick. Complementarians follow an exegetical form when defending their position. They say, okay, open up Genesis chapter 2. At the beginning, look how God ordered both man and woman. God made Adam to have power and dominion over the earth. God gave him the right to name the animals. God gave him the right to name Eve. When Eve was created, she was created from Adam's substance. Adam was a direct creation of God. But Eve came from Adam. And even Adam acknowledges, because you have come from me, you are woman. 
which suggests an inferior role, not inferior being, but an inferior role in function. God came to Adam and he told Adam, you are not to eat of the fruit from the forbidden tree. Adam was responsible in teaching his wife Eve the command. He was responsible for her soul. She was only his helper, but Adam had the authoritative leadership position over Eve. And that's the complementarian, egalitarian debate. Where else in scripture do we see uh, women uh, being submissive to men? 1 Timothy chapter 3. Titus chapter 2. 1 Corinthians chapter 14. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 11 and 12. This is a clear pattern throughout all of Scripture. I mean, even go back to redemptive history. God creates Adam first. He made covenants with men. He had the patriarchs, prophets, kings, and judges were men. Yes, there was the rare woman leader such as Deborah, but in every instance that a woman is a leader in, 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 the, in the faith, it's because a man did not obey the Lord to lead. Athaliah, the female queen, she usurped her role. Deborah, she acknowledges first in the book of Judges that it was the man who was called to lead. And when the man did not lead, that's when she was forced into that role because of his disobedience. The prophets were males. The kings were males. The judges were males. The apostles were males. Elders and deacons are males. God ordains leaders in the home, the husbands, the fathers. I personally don't believe that God ordains women to serve in the military as in the battlefield. I personally don't believe God calls women to serve as leaders of nations. Why? Because these things take a woman away from the function that God applied to her at the beginning. They take her away from her role as a mother and the bearer of life. Men are called in scripture to lay down their lives for women. Women are not called to lay down their lives for men. But what about Romans chapter 16? Remember where we started? Uh, Paul calling Phoebe uh, a servant, which is the Greek word diakonos, where we get the English word uh, deacon. Was she a deacon? And technically, Phoebe was a deacon. But we have to understand this about God's word. In scripture, there are some terms that take on a double meaning. Certain times in scripture, uh, so, some words uh, take on a literal definition or they take on a general definition. Let me, let me explain to you what I mean. 
In Acts chapter 14, in verses 14 and 15, the scripture says, but when the apostles Barnabas and Paul heard of it, they tore their clothes and rushed out into the crowd, crying out, men, why are you doing these things? We also are men of like nature with you and bring you good news that you should turn from these vain things to a living God who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and all that is in them. Luke calls Barnabas, Paul's co-worker in the mission field, an apostle. He did. It's in verse 14. But when the apostles Barnabas and Paul heard of it. Was Barnabas really an apostle? In the general sense, yes, because the term apostle can mean someone who's just sent. Jesus is called an apostle because God sent Jesus to earth. In the scripture, um, many people are called apostles. In the general sense, angels are called apostles because they are ministering spirits. God sends them to earth to minister to his people. So angels are called apostles. Barnabas is called an apostle. Jesus is called an apostle in the scripture. Now, did they serve as apostles inside the local church? Did Jesus call them and appoint them to that office? Were they given the power to, to uh, perform signs and wonders, which were signs of a true apostle? And the answer is no. So there's a general description of apostle, someone who is just sent by God to proclaim a message, like angels, like Jesus, uh, like Barnabas here in Acts 14. But there's also a, a literal term of the definition of an apostle, someone who is appointed by Christ to serve in the local church, and he is given power to perform signs and wonders which come with being an apostle. Barnabas is not that. The angels are not that. Christ did not appoint himself to be an apostle and to fulfill the office of an apostle inside the church. The term deacon works the same way. There's a general definition for deacons as someone who serves. And there is a literal definition for the term deacons, which means someone who is called to fulfill an office. Does Phoebe serve in the church? Yes. Paul says so. She is a servant. But does she fill the office of a deacon? And the answer is no. And the reason why Phoebe did not fulfill the office of a deacon is because elsewhere in Scripture, Paul gives us the qualifications of an office of a deacon. And those qualifications are in 1 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 through 13, with the office of an elder. Notice that when you turn to that passage, the deacon office can only be fulfilled by men. He must be a good standing. He must be the husband of one wife. Now, do their wives serve along with them? Yes, and we'll get to that in a moment. But the office of a deacon can only be fulfilled by men according to the scripture. And that's why I'm a complementarian. I do believe God created men and equal, men and women equal ontologically. 
They were both made in the image of God. Inside uh, the body of Christ, the people of God, in creation, both men and women are equal in being. They're equal. There's no superior and there's no inferior. They're both equal. But they have separate functions. They have distinct functions. There are gender roles. There are certain things, according to the scripture, that men can fulfill. And there are certain things that only women can fulfill. One of those things that only women can do is to intimately teach younger women, which we'll get to later. Women can only bring forth children. They can only bear children. As we see in scripture, men are given the responsibility for teaching and shepherding both in the home and in the church. In Titus chapter 2, verses 3 through 5, Paul says, Older women likewise are to be uh, reverent in behavior, not slanders, slaves, given too much wine. They are to teach what is good and so train the young women to love their husbands and children to be self-controlled, pure, working at home, kind and submissive to their own husbands, that the word of God may be not reviled. So what can women do inside the church? If they can't teach, if they can't preach, if they can't lead, what can they do? According to Paul, older women are to teach and train younger women in a private setting of how to be godly women, how to submit to their husbands, and how to take care of their family and home. What about younger women? What's their role inside the church? They are to serve in the areas that the older women are training them in. They are to get married, they are to bear children, and they are to help raise their children to love and worship the Lord. But there's also another area of ministry which a woman can serve. And a lot of, a lot of pastors forget this. In 1 Timothy chapter 3, verses 8 through 13, Paul talks about the office of a deacon. And he says, their wives likewise must be dignified, not slanders, but sober-minded, faithful in all things. Let deacons each be the husband of one wife, managing their children in their own households well. For those who serve well as deacons get a good standing for themselves and also great confidence in faith that is in Christ Jesus. In Acts chapter 6, when the scripture first appoints deacon, those seven that were chosen were men. They could have chosen women. There was a lot of women in that passage in Acts chapter 6. Go back and read it. There's women all over the place. But the Holy Spirit told the apostles to select seven men and to appoint them as deacons. But here's an area where women can serve inside the church. The wives of deacons serve with their husbands. The wives of deacons serve with their husbands. Because of the role that the deacons fulfill in the church, oftentimes they will have to minister to single women. Oftentimes deacons will have to serve widows, women whose husbands have died. Therefore, because they will have to serve single women, they'll have to serve older women, they'll have to serve widows, 
Paul lists the qualifications for their wives so that they can serve with them, so that their wives can join in the home of the women that these deacons have to minister to. Well, what about elders? Don't don't elders minister in the homes of the people? They're not supposed to. And this is a big, big struggle right now for churches that are trying to hire pastors. You can go to any church uh, vocation website that, that hires pastors or that is assisting churches and hiring pastors and read all the ads of we need a senior pastor and qualifications for senior pastors is ministering to people privately, going into, into people's homes and ministering to them. That is not what the elder is supposed to do. Elders teach the word. They proclaim the word. They guard the church from error, false teaching, and heresy. They, they, they determine church discipline. They govern the church. Deacons are the ones who minister inside the homes. It's the deacons. It's not the elders. It's not the pastors of the church. Elders, according to scripture, focus on the ministry of the word, either in preaching and teaching, in prayer, or in church discipline, or in the sacraments. Big time misunderstanding in churches. And again, you can find this on any uh, church a hiring website, for instance, the Gospel Coalition, go to their job board, uh, any kind of Baptist seminary, uh, go to their job boards, um, Ministry Well, go to its job boards. And every single church that's looking for a senior pastor, you can find in their qualifications, they're looking for a senior pastor to go inside people's homes and to build relationships and to minister to them. And that's not their role. Their role is to minister the word, to preach and teach, to minister the word in the sacraments, to minister the word in prayer, to govern the church, to, to, to met out church discipline. It's the role of the deacons to minister inside the home of the people. The second part of Romans chapter 16 uh, Paul gives some final instructions to the church, and then a beautiful doxology is written in verses 25 through 27. But before we get to the doxology, I want to make one small comment about verses 17 and 18. Look at verse 17 and 18 in Romans 16. Paul says, I appeal to you, brothers, to watch out for those who cause divisions and create obstacles contrary to the doctrine that you have been taught and avoid them. Avoid them, for such persons do not serve our Lord Christ, but their own appetites, and by smooth talk and flattery speech, they deceive the hearts of the naive. They deceive the hearts of the naive. What is Paul trying to say in verses 17 and 18? He warns the church that there are people who will who are in your church and they're not ministers of the gospel they're not ministers of the word they're not ministers of peace but they are ministers of satan 
And Satan uses these people to disturb what God is doing inside the church. They attempt to disturb either by sowing discord, which causes the church members to flee from truth, to be drawn away from truth, or by deeds, by wicked deeds, they attempt to alienate us from the gospel. And how do they do this? By traditions, man-made traditions, pride, selfishness. We want things our way. We've always done it this way. Uh, we, we are not uh, familiar with any other way. This is the way we've always done it in our church. These people cause division. They are church splinters. And every church has them. And my goodness, you, you know who they are. You're listening to this podcast. You're listening to the YouTube or to the Facebook. You can point them out. Oh yeah, I remember Bill. Bill was just like this. Why? Because Bill caused problems inside the church. He disturbed the work that God was doing. And just like Satan drew away certain number of angels after himself, these people like Bill who disturbed the church, they can draw away a certain number of people as well. And they use flattery speech. They don't serve Christ. They serve Satan. They have smooth talk. They have flattery speech. They're elders. They're deacons, they're elders' wives, they're deacons' wives, they're regular members, they can be anybody. And they are evil. And Paul says, have nothing to do with them. Avoid them. Avoid them. Have nothing to do with these great disturbances inside the church because all their focus is to take you away from doing the work of God. They cause division. And they're enemies of the church. The last part in Romans 16 that Paul addresses is the great doxology. He says in verse 25, Now to him who is able to strengthen you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery that was kept secret for long ages, but has now been disclosed and through the prophetic writings has been made known to all nations according to the command of the eternal God to bring about the obedience of faith to the one only wise God be glory forever through Jesus Christ. Amen. Beautiful doxology. Absolutely beautiful. The only wise God. Only God is wise. No one can be his counselor. His, his understanding is beyond measure. The way he has uh, moved about in the course of redemptive history, drawing the Gentiles to saving faith, using 
Jews, the apostles were Jews, using the Jews to uh, build the church, to graft in the Gentiles, while at the same time rejecting Jews who rejected God and who rejected Christ. All this was done to the glory of God and through the preaching of the gospel. Look how important the preaching of the gospel is to the kingdom of God. God uses the preaching of the gospel to reveal his will, to build people up, to to reveal um, tares uh, and wheat and, and sheep and goats. He uses the word of God to cause that division. He uses the preaching of the word of God to build the church, to preserve the church, to guard the church. He uses the preaching of the word to disclose prophetic teachings that people have forgotten or or which they've never heard. He uses the preaching of the word to do that. Those of you that are listening to this podcast, I want you to take a hard look at the church that you're attending. What is the preaching like? What what does the preaching consist of? Is it just feel good? You know, every time I come to church, I, I you know, it's my spiritual refill and, and now I'm not empty anymore and I'm ready to attack the week and and I'm encouraged and I feel great, I'm good, uh, God loves me, so I, no matter what, I'm good, I'm Gucci, man. Is that it? Or does the preaching of the word include the entire counsel of God? Does your pastor, does the man who brings the word, is he a man first? If he's not, then you don't have a church. You have a synagogue of Satan. But what does the preaching consist of? Is it the entire counsel of God? Does your minister, is he afraid to talk about sin? Is he afraid to rebuke you and correct you and instruct you? Because that's half of preaching. That's the other half that gets ignored, but that's the half of preaching. Preaching's conviction, it is a rebuke, it is correction, it is instruction. Why? So that you can be complete. If all you hear is the good stuff, all you hear is the stuff that you want to hear and the stuff that tickles your ears and makes you happy, that makes you want to give to the church, you're not going to be a complete man of God. You need to hear the instruction. You need to hear the rebuke. You need to hear the correction. Also, is your pastor afraid to teach on things that that might be controversial? Remember, the preaching of the word is how you sift out unbelievers, how you sift out false converts. We've had many people leave the church, and most of them sit at home on Sunday morning. Proves they hate God. Either you love God and you obey him, and God says, uh, you, you, you do not forsake the assembling of others or you hate God and disobey him. The preaching of the word causes a division in the sand. 
It's a line in the sand and it separates the sheep from the goats. So what kind of preaching is done at your church? The scripture says that according to the gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ, that God is able to strengthen you using the preaching of the word. Let me pray for you this evening. Let's, let me pray for us this evening. God, I, I pray that you would use the preaching of the word to unsettle our hearts. Lord, it's so easy for us to be comfortable in church. That it's so easy for uh, preachers to preach on the things that we want to hear instead of the things that we need to hear. And we need to hear sin and repentance because without it, we're not going to do it. Without the preaching and the rebuke from God's word, we're never going to repent. We're never going to see sin. We're never going to see the error of our ways. So God, I pray that you raise up men that love the preaching of the word, who take the entire counsel serious, and that you would draw Christians to this preaching and the church would love this kind of preaching and they would guard and preserve this preaching. God, I pray that you would draw unbelievers to hear this preaching so that they can be saved. So the entire church, those who are grafted in by faith and those who remain by faith would be strengthened according to the preaching of the word. God, we love you. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. For our next week's study, we're going to begin uh, 1 Timothy chapter 1. Uh, we're going to at least cover uh, Paul's introduction. Uh, I'm trying to flip there real quick to see what we'll cover next week. Uh, chapter 1, I know we're going to talk about uh, a warning against false teachers and also uh, Christ uh, his coming to save us from our sins. So we'll talk about at least through verse number, well, we'll probably cover the whole chapter, verses 1 through 20 uh, next week for 1 Timothy chapter 1. Thank you for listening. Subscribe if you haven't. Uh, we, we are blessed by you. We are encouraged that you love listening to the preaching of our church. God bless you. We'll see you next week.